Hello everyone, it is March the 4th, 2023, and uh, and I forgot the music. Um, okay. everyone it is the 4th of march 2023 and we're here once more hello room hello everyone hi i don't know if you guys know but Wido has now joined uh, officially as a co-host so he'll be permanent in this job and i've been reminded today it's not a job and he is completely <laughs> right <laughs> i hope you like you guys like it <laughs> i'm sure you're gonna do a great job Wido. and guys Wido's passion for game boy is unlimited he plays game boy game boy he loves and game even boy. if it's not a game boy game <laughs> I'll play it on my handheld. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, how's it been? Uh, well, sort of just very busy with lots of things. And uh, just to make it even worse, I got, again, the each of learning something new. So I, just to feel like my time even more than it is already full. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, it's insane. But I was thinking... You know, when you are, for example, driving or cooking, and why not try to do something else at the same time? So I, I went on around the web looking for some uh, interesting online courses. Really, there is, there are many websites and services. The, the possibilities are practically infinite. But I just decided to pick a couple of things to to listen to while doing something else. So, what did you listen to? Um, well, I forced myself to be limited to two topics only. So one's going to be cybersecurity, always useful. And the <laughs> other is... Uh, Why? <laughs> Why? Well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's useful. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, and I, I always feel like I don't ever know enough of it. And uh, the other one's neuromarketing. <laughs> which is actually <laughs> well it's um Can i think it's a contraption term from neuroscience and marketing well basically it's just a psychology of uh, consumers essentially but it's not like i want to have anything to do with marketing in, in my life in my job or anything but uh I consider this a sort of a self-defense course because <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what um, marketers or sellers in general do to make me want to buy their stuff. Let's see if I learn something something useful and applicable here. But I just barely started listening to, to this stuff. So, so it's that, basically like karate for the mind. Yeah, I, I really think it's, it's a good idea to like know this stuff so that you can also defend yourself by by knowing what goes around you in life yeah i suppose that's right but uh how, how long are these courses anyways well the ones i pick aren't that long probably something like uh 20 hours each something like that <laughs> it's gonna okay. take a while i mean i listen maybe 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there, but I have patience. Can you get a certificate for it or is it so just something you learn by 
listening and there's no like exam or something. In the website that I'm using, uh, which is called Coursera, by the way, you can get certificates. You, you're going to have to pay for them anyway. So there are paid courses, there are free courses. If you want a certificate, there's a fee also for the course that would otherwise be completely free. But I, I'm not even sure I'll ever get to the end of these courses. So uh, for now, I'm just just listening and reading and that's it. Well, that sounds interesting, but I don't know how I would react uh, knowing knowing stuff that I'd rather probably not know because it probably might scare me, I think, you know, like knowing what people are thinking and how to manipulate my emotions, you know, in order to make me buy something, for example. No, it's more scary to not know it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Peter on this. Just don't buy anything and then you're, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but I, I agree. You, you have to know how people manip manipulate you to defend yourself that's uh that's a good thing i think to learn yeah uh maybe you're right i should take this course as well <laughs> look you manipulated me now i need to do that course <laughs> right <laughs> so your schedule has got even more packed uh, that's good i think uh, in some ways and you learn how to districate yourself in from life somehow i suppose as well what about you Rita? what have you been doing well instead of uh, learning myself, I try to learn my kids to cycle. Well, that's a very smooth transition there. <laughs> very well. Very I'm well. learning segways. I'm learning segways. But uh, oh. yeah, my kid just turned five. And oh, bless I'm a, I'm a bit late for Dutch standards. But I, I didn't know I, they were Dutch standards. What What is the Dutch standard? The Dutch standard. <laughs> well, kids should learn uh cycling and swimming very quickly we're below sea level so swimming is a lot is really important oh yeah and yeah cycling uh there's a lot of cycling paths and there's every everything goes by bike in the in the netherlands so oh yeah I remember. When, when they're starting like four years old or five years old we, we start learning them cycling and swimming. We learned him cycling without the helper wheels yeah. uh, last week. That's and good. He was, he was super happy with it and uh, was driving around. But when he wants to stop, he drives into a wall. So yeah. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the best idea. But yeah, that, he's really super happy to do it. And, and swimming as well. He goes to swimming lessons. That's really common in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, we go to, uh, we bring our kids to swimming lessons and we have like degrees to get uh, certificates for. And like every kid in the Netherlands gets their first and a second degree in swimming. It's not obligated or something, but it's just the way it goes in the a Netherlands. A good practice. Yeah. Yeah. My I son's don't know the if same. it's the same in uh, Italy or england or finland oh well here i think that uh, the national vehicle is more likely to be skis or or ice skates uh, so i've seen toddlers on ice skates i yeah i understand that but what i would have thought uh, finland would have had was like survivor skills like if you're outside in minus 40 degrees how do you survive you know and uh, i would have taught that like to the kids like the mini MacGyvers you know what what happens if they are stranded and it's too cold how do they survive that, that sort of stuff well I think that they do teach some 
basic skills at schools, but usually it's not like a common occurrence to like get lost here or anything like that or get stranded. And 40 degrees minus no, below zero can happen, but uh, well, that's going to be very tough for anyone, even an adult. But wh when did you uh, start cycling? In Finland. Or in, in, or in Italy? Or in it can you cycle? Do you have hard to remember? Cycle? <laughs> cycle? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, I don't remember. When, when did I start? Probably also about that age, I suppose. I think, uh, yeah, eventually Italy is not exactly the best place for cyclists in terms of safety. I mean, uh, yeah, and yeah. in terms yeah, of... Uh, I've cycled in Tuscany and it was crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the drivers around there are crazy and there was always uh, crashes with, with cars uh, everywhere and it was yeah, pretty you dangerous. Know, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it uh, in the city, although in, in some countrysides, even around my hometown, for example, there are very long, nice cycling routes but for leisure, not just for getting to some place. That is what is uh, mainly lacking in Italy. Hmm. Here here in Finland, it's quite good. Uh, you can go quite everywhere by bike here in the cities. I mean, but so that that's okay here. And uh, yeah, but usually I, I would say that uh, here kids are encouraged to, to first learn to skate. <laughs> <laughs> Just after they wow. learn to to walk, next thing is skating, probably. That's so cool. Yeah, my, my kids learnt about the same age, uh, and both of them, well, now there's nine and 12, and they did stop their swimming lessons. No, the older one did, and uh, he's started again now to finish the course. And it's interesting, you have two degrees. We have like six or seven levels here to go through, which is a bit different. But yeah, oh, we have way more, but like the first two are like the, the, the normal ah, the essentials uh, kind of thing. You, you get. But even the second degree has like rescue, swimming, oh, that's instructions, cool. yeah, and yeah. also diving and for, I think, at least seven meters. And you also have to swim with your clothes on just to aye, aye. Yeah, for, yeah, for a while. That's, that's just, yeah, survival proper, yeah. It sounds like yeah. Uh, what have you done, Andy? Uh, this episode's a bit late because my laptop died and that wasn't a great news. I was very disappointed. I spent a lot of money on this Lenovo Legion. And I'm saying it, hopefully someone listens to this and gives me a new replacement because uh, the graphics card went and it started all glitching out and freezing. And I was like, oh my God, no. And I've got all the, the web stuff on there as well. So I had to change the laptop and the recording was late and... Uh, so, yeah, that's the story behind this late episode. So that happened. So I had to get something new and uh, get it all set up for this episode. And I, what I was been doing on the on the laptop was migrating the site. So um, I've talked about this before uh, and I've enabled now the show notes in uh, the back end and uh, I keep this really quick so that the show notes are now possible. And I just need to finish off the front end for them to display properly and then we can start uh, putting them in. Anything else from you, Diego? Uh, well, yeah, I obviously I couldn't resist long before trying and eventually I gave in and uh, tried the 
now famous chat GPT, AI based. And well, I must say it was very, very interesting, very entertaining in a sense. Yes. And uh, it's quite quite an experience. I, I, I have barely started, but I kind of spent a good part of the, of the weekend just going back and forth the, the desktop and chatting with it. And uh, what I did, started... What do you ask it? Well, I started with some like warm-up questions, so to speak. I asked it about, for example, the weather. And immediately I got stumbled upon a response that it, it told me it's limited to September 2021 in terms of historical data. So it, it told me it couldn't tell me the weather now, but then it automatically proceeded to tell me how was the weather in September 2022 everywhere in the world, like by continent, and wrote a lot of things about it. And so I started with simple questions like, what, what is the most popular food in the world? Then moved on to technical questions. I didn't want to ask about feelings and uh, stuff like uh, I think it's already been done and generally speaking this chat GPT doesn't want to answer that kind of questions it keeps telling you that uh, it can't have opinions it can't have preferences it's just analyzing text and uh, using its own knowledge base to give you answers to that so it's different than Siri. When you ask Siri uh, uh, personal questions, she or he tries to answer it seriously. But uh, GPT seems to acknowledge that they're a robot. Yeah, yeah. And also I've read lots of stories about being beta with the, now their own AI-based chat. And that's also a bit like Siri. But ChatGPT doesn't want to get into it. But anyway... Did you ask it the, med the meta question that you were telling us about last time? Uh, not really, not yet. I had another idea to make things interesting. I decided to ask it to guess something about me. Like um, I told it that I wanted it to make it like a game or a quiz. So it didn't matter if it, he was right or wrong. But I asked it if he could guess based on the way I write and on what kind of questions I write, if he could guess my nationality, my approximate age, and maybe even my gender. And uh, first, it really didn't want to answer. And it says, I don't have enough data. And it also took care to politely explain to me like, uh, hey, age is just a number. so." If I get it wrong, please don't take it too personally. <laughs> or uh, gender shouldn't be used to make judgments and these kind of things. Okay, but I, I wanted it to just give me some guess, something like that. And first it told me that I think you're a native English speaker. Okay, that's very nice. But And I think you are uh, between 18 and 35. That's a very large range. I think it it's probably just the, the typical age range of people using the chat, maybe. Mm, maybe, yeah. And uh, absolutely didn't want to tell tell me if he, he thought that I was a man or a woman. 
So okay. I had another idea. I said, okay, let's just keep chatting for the whole day. And then I'll ask you again, because he specifically told me that he didn't have enough data. So I wanted to, to see if he could figure out. And then I spent the whole day asking him about pretty nerdy stuff like <laughs> computer programming, retro gaming, retro computers, stuff from the 70s, the 80s, just to see if he could guess that I was a bit older than that. Right. And maybe that I was a guy because, well, you know, I asked it about Japanese language, guitar playing, things like that. And? Uh, yeah, still didn't want to answer at the end of the day, but I pressed it to answer. And at some point he said, ah, yeah, yes, of course, you're Swedish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was very weird because I thought that, that we have absolutely didn't talk about anything at all related to Sweden. So Swedish I was, according to it. And uh, I, I tried to give it hints because um, I, I asked him, why, why did you guess Swedish? And he told me something like, because you asked me about traditional Swedish food, which I never asked. And uh, mm. well, then... Anyway, this, this led me to remember that when I asked it about food, it told me that among the popular food of the world, there is Italian food. And then when talking about guitarist, he actually told me that uh, Steve Vai and Joe Satriani are uh, of Italian descent. So I told him, okay, think about what you answered me today. And you mentioned my nationality twice. Okay. So you can figure it out. You may give me a puzzle he, to solve. Yeah, <laughs> and he went like, ah, yes, of course, you're Finnish. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so he ju just <laughs> does some <laughs> geolocating, probably. Uh, yeah, I asked, that's a good point. I asked it if he could see my IP. But, well, he told me he didn't and uh, he, that he was not given this information for privacy reason. He cannot see anything about my browser or my IP or anything. And uh, well, but I don't know how, how he was trying to guess, but then I specifically told it to go and look when you ask me about the food and the guitarist, there is the answer and he finally got it right. But, uh, Nah, I think that uh, a human person would have had an easier time figuring it out just from the first clue. But uh, I was expecting it to make it because he knows all, all my answers and maybe for a human person to remember what I asked in the morning, it would have been more difficult. But for the chat, everything was still there. But uh, I think that... Uh, it was fun to challenging it in that way and on other things it proved to be anyway really really good it writes okay. really well first of all in english yes in english yes, and but right. i tried in finnish i tried in italian i tried something in japanese it can read japanese characters and it can write japanese characters how's translation can you do a good translation compared to google translate it looked um, it looked pretty good, and at first sight, I'd say 
better than than Google Translate, but uh, I didn't try anything very long, to be honest. Okay. But uh, I I even challenged it on some old, older ancient language, like, like Latin, for example. Uh, at some point, uh, I asked it, uh, what was the origin of the word karaoke? Because right. I just generally didn't know. I thought it oh, was Korean, but then it told Japanese. me that it's yeah, it's Japanese, and it's short for kara, empty, and orchestra. And then I I don't know why I asked it if uh, karaoke had been invented in ancient Roman times. What would uh, the Roman people have called it? It <laughs> <laughs> was nice. He came up with a pretty nice answer. He said, it probably would be called Orchestra Vacua. Or maybe <laughs> Chorus Vocum Vacus. It sounds beautiful, actually. And uh, I think <laughs> it's um, it, it's pretty good with this thing, really. Obviously, I tried more. Maybe I'll talk more about another time because uh, otherwise we get the whole evening just talking about it. But it can write also coding programming languages. I tried some tests with it and uh, didn't get it right when I asked it to write some code for Commodore 64. But uh, then I asked it to debug its own code and it found a bug that he had been written before so not bad at all i think you you would like to try it you you would have fun trying it if you haven't already of course i have already in fact um so i i i won't be very long about this either but i finally gave in and gave it gave microsoft my italian phone number so they've got that now in order to be able to use it and i asked it can you write this snippet of code that does this comparison or can you make um uh, CSV export from a database in WordPress and stuff like that and oh uh, yeah da, 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 all the code spit out I don't know if it's right it looks it looks right but I have to try it haven't I so in a very egocentric manner I asked it do you know New Game or Flame and it said of course I do it's um, this uh, podcast that run by Mike and Jake or something I don't remember Joe, anymore Joe and Mac <laughs> Joe and Mac or something <laughs> I was like what and then I said can you list me the episodes and then he lists the episodes but nothing to do with uh, New Game of Flame. So I don't know where he got that data. So I started inquiring, do you know what the website is? And he gave me the website and it was correct. But then I said, but where did you get the information for the episodes? And I found out that way that it's a knowledge base, as I call it with ChatGPT, is limited to September 2021, when New Game of Flame still wasn't a thing. Still, there might have been another show called New Game of Flame, which apparently... Um, talked about retro games <laughs> unexpectedly somehow. So that was quite fun. Wida, what else have you been up to? Yeah, I've, I've been playing um, Power Slave Exhumed. Do, okay. do you know that game? I do not. I think I did look it up, but I don't really recall it right now. It's, it's a game... Um, which originally released on the Sega Saturn and also oh, okay. on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. And there was also a PC version uh, back in the day, and they're all quite different. 
What kind of game is it? Uh, it's all first-person shooters. Oh, yeah. Okay, but, yeah. Um, the Saturn and the PS1 version uh, have, like, the Metroidvania-style uh, gameplay. So they play like a sort of early version of Metroid Prime. And right. the, the the version I played is Power Slave Exhumed. That's a remaster of that game. And they remastered the Saturn and PS1 version. And they merged it together to make it one game. And it's one, like, gated exploration first-person shooter game, which is super interesting, especially from that age when Metroid Prime wasn't a thing yet. It was it's a really interesting game, and it was quite good. So cool. you have to find items, for example, an item where you can jump higher, and then you can go back to... Level you already played, and go to places where you had to jump higher to get other items again, and you have to find stuff. To is it like a very further. frantic experience? Like, does it? Is it like a, I don't know, like Quake, like really fast-paced kind of? It's it's not uh, super about com- combat. It's more about exploration, I think. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, really have to find all those items and. Uh, try to progress through the levels there's there's a lot of combat but it's really basic it's not the focus of the game but it's all set in ancient egypt which is also quite cool setting and i really really loved my time with it it's a really nice experience and i'm really glad that it came to pc because i really don't like to play it on saturn i tried it but um the controls are yeah How's the graphics now? So did they port over? Is it all pixely still? Like, um, so yeah, it's still the same sprites. The okay. resolution of the of the maps is is the is higher, but the sprites are still the same. the The UI they changed so it works on uh, higher uh, display resolutions. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty much the same game. Right, so you, you they didn't like uh, up the uh, they put like anisotropic filtering and that sort of stuff that wasn't there that time. No, too. luckily no. <laughs> okay, okay. I li- I like the old school look of it, and uh, yeah, it played really well. It's uh, it's really recommended and really like a diamond in the rough, uh, I think. Okay, sounds sounds so, cool. Yeah, and uh, for this show, I played another Metroidvania game. Mm, very excited about this one. <laughs> that's Lester for Commodore 64. Yes. Uh, Yester. <laughs> Lester. Yester. 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 Lester. That's also a gated exploration platformer like Metroid games. Yeah. But this is a uh, side-scrolling run and jump and shoot platformer. But it's the same uh, kind of style where you have to find items in uh, in this case in the abandoned space station yeah and um, you have to find items to progress and uh, go back to places where you've already been and uh, with that item to progress even further and uh, so there's backtracking let's say so you that um you, you go into a room and then find something, then you got to go back to further le- the levels that you've already been from to maybe access other areas? Yeah, it's one uh, one open world. Yeah. To say, say like that. An open spaceship. 
yeah, an op open space station. So there's a lot of rooms in that space station. And uh, if you go to checkpoints, you can see the map of the space station and where you can find items. It's really like a Metroid game. But of course on the Commodore 64, which is quite unique, I think. I haven't mm. seen that before. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a great experience in Metroidvania kind of games. I did have a look at this one, and I thought it was looked really great. It had a map, which was really nice, so you could see the little rooms. But I think there was something similar to this with uh, Mission Impossible on Commodore 64 that had like a, a map layout where you would see where you were. Impossible Mission or something? Or? Impossible Mission, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not mission impossible, impossible i never impossible played mission. that but i heard it's that's a great game too stay a while stay forever <laughs> i remember that from the days yeah so that that's the only example that comes to mind to be honest uh i can't think of any other ones similar to that but i'm sure there are i, I think it's the the first game this developer made the developer is called knife grinder aye aye that's right knife it, grinder it, it's pretty impressive what they did it looks really vivid the colors are really nice when mm. when you look at commodore 64 uh, games often they're a bit brown and muted color yeah but i think that's the basic commodore 64 palette that one i don't know how they if they can change it maybe he's managed to change it or something i think I, he just picked the right colors to make it really vivid and uh, and bright and he didn't choose those brown uh, use or Turns, something yeah which, which really helps to make it look more modern i think uh, also the, the playability music. sorry how is the playability of leicester it plays really great but it's a lot of shooting and platforming and, and often you have to time when you have to jump because there's like droids uh, going around the screen and you have to avoid them so there's a sort of timing the only thing I thought it was it plays super slow. It feel, <laughs> I felt like like r walking through molasses. And it's at first I thought it was my emulator, which on my Mio I played it on my Mio Mini. I thought, why is it this so slow? But eventually you find out that yeah, the all the other characters are on in the same pace, and it's just a slower paced game than you're used to it. To I think when you play other gated exploration games well i tried this as well uh, because i was very curious and very eager to to see it it looked like really great and i i didn't find it as slow as you i think maybe because i'm older <laughs> but i thought it was it was normal speed for me and it was good enough i could uh, have the time to react you know geriatric reflexes but uh, yeah yeah, maybe it's because I play a lot of these, it's like my favorite genre of games, gated exploration platformers. So for me, this felt like a really slow one and it had I had to get used to that. But otherwise, other than that, it played great. The, there was no problems with hit detection, which often uh, is with these homebrew games. So I didn't have problems with it. Other Did you finish than, it? Oh, sorry. I, 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 I did finish it. Oh. And so. uh, that was a challenge. <laughs> At first, it, it starts really tame and it's really doable. Everything is quite easy. Um, but in the end, it was really, really tough. 
Especially is because... It like a puzzles because you have to solve some puzzles, don't you? Because that's why it's difficult, you think? Or is it the action part that's difficult? No, it's really like the platforming. You have to right. time everything right to, um, to avoid enemies. And those... Yeah, and those enemies are often like you can touch them twice and then you're you you are killed and also you only have three lives. Which okay, is so really it, abnormal yeah. for gated exploration platformers. Normally you you have infinite lives and you respawn back to the um, latest checkpoint, but this even has had life, so that makes it even harder. So um, when you die, do you use, do, do you lose a life or do you use like a do you have an energy as well? It's probably where I'm getting to. Yeah, you have uh, like an energy bar. You can also upgrade that. So you, in, I think you start off with two hits, and you can upgrade that later with three or four hits. I think, right. I think that's the maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And you also have lives which you can find in the game, but that's also lim really limited. Maybe four or five lives it's a hard game seems to me especially the end it's really really uh, tough and I, I was quite happy that i had save states <laughs> oh, so it doesn't it doesn't help you like save uh without save states it doesn't have any mechanic inside that uh, allows you to save natively uh well there are those save stations which are sort of checkpoints right there, okay. there you can also buy um upgrades for your weapon and uh you can see the map Yes. Well, at that point, that map seems very big. Is there like a fog of war sort of thing, so where you can see a little part of the map, but not all of it, or do you see it uh, all immediately? You only see where you've been. Where you've been? Oh, fair enough. Okay, I'm with. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I think you've seen the outline of the map, but not what the in what's in there. Yeah, I think there were little uh, lozenges, little pills, like representing the rooms, the adjacent rooms. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. So, so how long was that overall, like in terms of screens, for instance, approximately? The, the site says 60 plus rooms. So oh, Okay. That's and, quite a lot. But normally when you have a Metroidvania, you have like maybe six upgrades to progress further. But this oh, one has maybe three, really. So one is that you can walk through slime or radioactive fluid, something like that. Okay. And I can't remember what the other were, but there, it, was, it wasn't many. So um, normally, so, you... so, so that says it, it's not that long, but yeah, the, especially to get through that final section of the game, it will take you a while, especially if you don't have save states then I think you have to start over the game several times to. How, to how long did it take you with this, with save states, more or less? I think I spent two hours. Maybe? Two hours, okay, with, with save states. So probably at least double that if you like. Uh, I tried to not cheat with the save states, so I saved at the at all the save stations. Yeah, and then got back from there because you can always just. With save states, it's really easy to to cheat. Just it. go back. Yeah, just every obstacle save and then load it when uh, when something happens. But I try to not cheese uh, the game and uh, play it easy. But yeah, especially the the end of the game is tough. But good I've got challenge. A I think not unfair. 
Not unfair. Okay. Uh, so if you save on the, one of the save station and you reset the game, does it does it remember then, or do you lose it when you reset the game? Uh, in my case, it didn't remember. But okay, so it's uh, just for that instance of the game. I think, but I can't say if it's on the original Commodore 64, maybe it saves, but uh, that that I can tell. Uh, I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's an interesting question. Uh, I think um, Braille Witch did save on the cartridge as well. It, it had the ability to. So I thought maybe because it was doable, they did it as well. So I think that was permanent in between resets. So you could say I, I, I can tell you, but uh, my Mio Mini with the save states <laughs> would, uh, would handle that. Okay. And, and one thing of this game, what was directly obvious and what's really uh, why I wanted to play this was the really nice soundtrack. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did, I did. I, I don't remember it right now, but I remember thinking that this game looked really good and sounded really good and played really good for me. Um, I just was curious uh, in... I'll ask you afterwards before before we get to the end of this. I want to ask you another question. But yeah, the music seemed really good. Yeah, it has 11 uh, unique tracks in there. And there are like the tracks you start humming when you yeah not the playing. good ones yeah yeah i like that yes uh is it all a one-man effort do you know that as far as i can tell uh someone else did the music i think right uh let's see design code graphics and sound by knife grinder oh that's it <laughs> he done it all. It, sa oh, it says only thanks to Nicolas Ervik Groeneboom and Andy Hewitt. Oh, Andy Hewitt is from Cheesy Trials. Oh, well, it all goes around. Yeah, I don't remember right now if he was the author of that or another game that we had at the beginning of the podcast, but the name is familiar. Good stuff. So uh, last question for me was like, okay, so you, you go and find these objects. I recall when I tried it briefly that you can get... <clears throat> weapons and stuff am i wrong and then there was like like icons sort of icons uh representing you know weapon upgrades and stuff am i you, wrong you 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 can find coins through the game and every time when you go to the um, uh safe station you can buy your weapon upgrades okay so, so that's maybe how I'm you wrong. upgrade your weapons but also when you kill an enemy you get uh, experience xp and okay. there's like a, ba a bar which fills and I didn't know what it did for a long time until I watched it like fill. And when it fills, it restores one of your HP. So that way you can refill your HP. But oh, it's so hard to to refill your HP. It's you can buy that as well at the at the at the safe stations. Hmm. But it's really you. You want to save up for those weapons, so you don't want to restore your HP. Actually, yeah. So the weapons are important. Okay, uh, I think um, I saw a piece where you go around, and I think maybe I found a card or something, and then you need you need to use the card on a computer or something like that. Yeah, those cards are for doors. It's right. just to to progress the game. Right, so right. there are some closed doors in the game, like with a one above it or a two above it, and when you find them key card for door one you can get into another area of the game and that's the way how you progress uh, and also those those upgrades 
um, without any spoilers, uh, if you can, is there like a giant boss at the end? I like giant bosses. There is a boss in the end. Okay. It's, it's, okay. it's, uh, it's a whole room. <laughs> That's all I can say. Okay. okay. And also, it's, it's strange. I, I, I beat the game and it said there was like a, a bunch of text. And in the end, it says the end question mark. Oh, so, maybe a sequel. Uh, I think maybe you can unlock an alternative ending when you find all the safe stations or something. That's, oh. I think, but I'm not sure, but I have to find out later. That sounds really cool. Uh, I wonder why they called it Leicester like that. So in England, where I live near me, there's a city called Leicester, but it's spelled differently. It's spelled L-E-I. Leicester, L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. You read it Leicester. The, so. the, the, the Android you play is called L3573R. And ah, when you read that in, when you, the, 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 when you read those uh, numbers as letters, then you will read Leicester. Leicester so I think sense. it's just the, the protagonist name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, anyways, the, the the brief view that I've had of it really made me want to go back and have a, a better play through and see if um, I can get to the end of that one as well. It just seems quite quite a good game, in my opinion. So w- would you recommend it? Where can people find it? And is it free? It's it's for free on, uh, on itch.io. If you search for Leicester then you can find it or it's knifegrinder.itch.io slash Lester. And yeah, it's it's free. So I would everyone recommend to play this game, especially if you have the original hardware. I think that will be really nice to play this on an original Commodore 64. You don't and play on the Mio Mini, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's great. But uh, I think it would be something like magic to see this on an old computer like that it would be really nice and yeah i i I don't have any negatives apart from the slow yeah that's just you peter that's just you you're too fast for your own good it's just something you have to get used to i think and then when when i like was 10 minutes in then i was just used to it but I, i can't think of anything bad about it so, perfect so yeah. it's the it's perfect Commodore 64 game so Diego this one would have been for you but you've got an original Commodore 64 so you could try it have you tried it by any any chance no no I haven't but it's been on my radar for a while and now that I got the review from Widow it's definitely going to be one of the next thing I'm going to try I, yeah. I have only seen it uh, some previews and i also agree it looked stunning and sounded even better so uh, really looks worth having in your commodore 64 collection do they sell a physical copy of this as well do you know i haven't seen it okay but it, it's it's insane that this this is free it's really uh, yeah uh, mm. i would have asked five bucks for it or something but you can uh, donate if you if you do- Press don- uh, download now. It's pay what you want. So, did you donate? <laughs> no, no, let's not put you in that. In that, in that I'm, I'm doing the review. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're paying your way. Yeah, no negatives, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, go buy Lester. Support the authors so they make more games. That's my that's my motto. Uh, yeah. 
Diego, what have you been looking at in this uh, past two weeks then? Uh, well, picking up from my previous round of gaming, I was looking for more uh, Amstrad CPC games. And uh, I stumbled upon this uh, very recent release of uh, Ramiro el Vampiro, the next <laughs> episode, because this is already the fourth of a series, if I count on them right. So there's four Ramiro el Vampiro. Oh, yeah, at least four. I think that there are four main episodes, but uh, some of those have gotten maybe two versions with some minor improvements. Ah, okay, so not anyway, really sequels. Yeah. the latest one is um, about a month ago it came out, and okay. it's by the Mojon Twins or Mohon Twins. Not sure how to call them. I suppose they are probably Spanish. Yeah, that sounds like Ramiro Vampiro doesn't sound... Yeah, Italian or definitely. And uh, all these episodes, they have an English version and a Spanish version, if you prefer. Okay. And by the way, they are also all available on each.io and they are pay what you want. Yeah, but I eventually, I, I didn't even try the CPC version. I, I ended up playing the Zeta X Spectrum version. Okay. And then I continued on with more games on, on that for the whole couple of weeks. All of them apparently with a horror theme. I don't know, maybe I had some leftover feeling from Halloween. It's been a while already, but I this Ramiro Vampiro got me in the mood of creepy games. And um, they, they are all pretty nice. They are essentially platform of the type where you have to collect some items and this fourth episode is called uh, El Misterio del Papiro or in English The Mystery of the Papyrus and it's okay. all set in ancient Egypt don't know what's a vampire doing in ancient Egypt but all these games always have a humorous tone anyway there on the funny side was, of the it was hanging out with a with a mummy yeah uh, well they, of course there are and uh, hey. he's kind of looking for some scrolls that is torn to pieces and you have to find all the pieces but it's a it's a simple platform but it plays quite nicely but it's hard so i wouldn't recommend this to you because i think you'll quit rage quite soon in these mm -hmm. kind of games and yeah. there are some pretty hard levels where you have to be fast in what you do. Like, it's not much of a spoiler, this one, because it's quite in the early stages of the game. But there's a sort of uh, trap that you get into a few screens, in fact. And then you have to get out before the whole screens get flooded with water. And oh, cool. it was really hard. For me, I had to try many times to get out of that because you really have to go fast and mistakes are not allowed. Or maybe when you can afford one or two wrong jumps in the whole thing. But if you do more, no, you run out of time. But um, it it's cool. It looks cool. And of course, I wanted also to try a little bit the older episodes and they all look cool. Each one with its own slightly different theme. There's one in the forest, there's one that in more cemeteries, uh, more traditional creepy locations. But they're all nice. But what's the aim? Sorry, what's the also, story? 
the story overall, I think each episode has has its own story. Okay. Its own mission or something like that. And uh, but the game itself always plays such that it's a collect them all game. You have to collect some certain number of items. You have characters that you can talk with. Oh. And okay, that's uh, nice. they yeah, they give you some little quests or um, you can uh, bring them items. Uh, you can well in this particular episode I think there's an altar where you have to gather coins and then give them to the altar and then it will give you some items that you can eventually bring to the other characters. But uh, well the story it's just a little bit of a pretext perhaps not that important but but, um, but what is the main gameplay mechanics it's just jumping jump, it's just... Uh, essentially move and jump plus gliding while jumping okay. so i think this wasn't in the first and maybe also second episode they introduced it in the third one and then this latest one as well so gliding is necessary sometimes to reach farther platforms and um, also in previous episodes the most difficult thing was for me this mechanic that wherever you are in an open space the sun wears you down quite quickly it basically ah, eats because up you're your vampire. energy yeah. yeah so the sunlight is your main enemy and that was the most difficult thing in the previous episodes but in these episodes there is no such thing and this is replaced with uh, some uh, special bricks with an eye magical eye drawn on them when it opens it drains your energy when it closes you are safe to pass a little bit different but that's really uh, really challenging to deal with in all these games it and as a matter of fact you only have one life so you have to be careful you have an energy a percentage of energy and when it's down to zero it that's it it's over it's um, is this a one screener or can you go does it scroll around no it's one screener oh, okay and i guess i'm far from finish finishing any of these episodes so i can't tell how many screens there are but yeah um, yeah but it was a pretty good pretty good one and as i said yeah they are all very challenging so you kind of need to be the, a patient player to enjoy these games otherwise it, they can be frustrating mm, yeah 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 i can i can see that yeah and then i moved on to other creepy games from spectrum so there's another a little older but still 2022 by rulandu which is called Buffonada, and it's also available on, on MSX. And that has uh, definitely a more puzzle side. It's still a kind of platformer, but uh, there you have more of a mental challenge to solve each screen rather than uh, a problem with jumping right or, or avoiding enemies. And the story, it's, uh, it's quite mad, in my opinion. You're a sort of a creepy jester that you start trapped in a cage. Yeah. You have to figure out how to get free first. And you can summon 
your spirit animal, which happens to be a goat for some reason. <laughs> so you essentially shoot okay. the goat out. <laughs> you, you literally shoot the goat out. And that's part of the puzzle sometimes because when you shoot it, you it will land just at the first wall that blocks its flight. But yeah. this means it can also fly over long distances. And uh, for example, if there's a pit on the floor, it will just continue going and pass over the pit that way. And once you have the goat out, you can switch between the jester and the goat, which work a little differently. They can both jump, but the goat can also charge and with that action, it's going to break some walls if needed. Well, only certain walls can be broken, of course. While the jester can jump much higher by bouncing on the goat. Oh. But, but not the vice versa. So the goat so is a trampoline. It, it acts as a trampoline for the jester. So two different capabilities for the characters. And that's how often you have to solve the puzzles then puzzles are typically in the form of certain buttons or levers to switch but you have to figure out how to reach those buttons basically to win the level you just need to exit the level but exiting requires some thinking it sounds like the lost vikings or something ah yeah from blizzard oh well that's a good comparison i I was actually a huge fan of that game back in the 90s. I had it on DOS. And yeah, I, I must say that I I have the same kind of feeling with these games. It, they are nice and relaxing for me because you have to think, but it's not like it, it's going to be a huge effort. So you get rewarded, rewarded pretty often when you figure out the level. Is this a one screener as well? Because like Lost Vikings, I think you could scroll around as well. It was like a bigger screen, let's say, and then you panned. Yeah, you're right. No, this one is just a single screener. Single screener as well. Okay. But it's it's very nice. It looks nice. And uh, I think that uh, Rulandu has done a very good job because, for instance, you don't notice the typical color clash very much, the typical spectrum graphical drawback. You don't notice it very much. And he mentioned it that he had taken care of these sort of technical things. And uh, it looks creepy. I always, always love these sort of backlight visuals when you see things as if the, the source of light is not from where you are looking at. So you see, for yeah. example, silhouettes, silhouettes. black silhouettes, yeah. yes. And of houses and then you, you see the little windows lighten up from the inside i don't know why but i'm always fond of this idea yeah i, and, get, uh, I get the same vibes yeah i like i like the same and, and uh, rulandu explained that this was done on purpose because he wanted a kingdom set in shadows to represent the perpetual night that plagues this kingdom lovely uh, lovely yeah i love it little touches but um I really appreciated them. Right. I, I also quickly tried uh, a demo that's been out also for a few months, still on the creepy side for Spectrum, and also 
this is from uh, a Brazilian or Portuguese developer, perhaps. Not sure. It's called he's called Paulo Andres or Amewex, and uh, the game is called Bruxolico. Bruxolico. This is only a demo, so it's very short, and I was able to finish it in maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Okay. But it has a very unique graphical look. I really love this art style. It really looks cursed. It it really does, <laughs> yes. My God. It really does. And it is said to be inspired by some local artists and folklore of Brazil. You can, anyone can check the some demo videos online and to see what it looks like because I can't describe it with words. It's just weird and slightly creepy. You are some kind of witch perhaps with a mask. It looks really, really, really creepy and lovely as well. Very, very beautiful, I think. I, I think they're really working with that color clash of the ZX Spectrum. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really... Uh, fitting for this game or really suits the, the graphics as well i don't know it's i, I like the it, it's really vivid colors but the, the, yes. all the characters are really creepy looking and weird looking it's almost david lynchy uh, kind of uh, weirdness if you google bruxolico you'll see there are some all the imagery that goes around that word is all creepy so there must be something else behind it well, um, I guess we'll see it when, when the game is finally completed, but uh, it looked look promising to me. It's kind of simple mm. compared to other, and also this one didn't seem challenging at all, but just really the earliest levels. And the mechanic is simply jump, jump and kick. You can kick the enemies, but there's some moving platforms here and there. There are some enemies that shoot you, and the demo already shows some good work in progress there because there's at least a couple of boss fights. Not that complex yet, but these are probably going to be developed further in the final mm. game. Oh, yeah. There's some <clears throat> static screens, but there are also other horizontally scrolling and vertically scrolling screens. There's some power-ups already along the game. And so it kind of hints at... What they are, what they're getting it when they when they finish the whole game. Do we, do we know if this is going to run on a stock ZX say forty eight K or will it need one hundred twenty eight? That's a good question. That's a good question. But uh, well, I don't know. I just was curious because I've got um, a couple of spectrums. I wondered if I could play it on on them directly, or do I need a one hundred twenty eight K one? Any word when, when it comes out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But, Good but stuff. is there any any date when it comes out? Or is there just a work in progress and no any prospect of when? when or as far as I date? know, the demo was released in late 2022. And uh, I haven't seen any date of release already mentioned so i would expect that it should come out this year but i wouldn't hold my breath for it because if the the demo is just a couple of months old then 
maybe they need another half year or something like that. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Nice, nice. <clears throat> Look, looks great. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, really want to try this. Uh, so what about blocky. you? What have you been playing instead? Well, <clears throat> so I uh, went, I finished Children of Mortar. I probably told Yay! you that. <laughs> great <Congratulations>. experience. <laughs> Thank you. Great experience. Great experience. Highly recommend. I went back to an old, uh, not an old, but um, the other game I was playing, which is uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is also a fantastic game. You can take l all your time. It's, this is a polygonal game, by the way. It's one of... So I won't I won't stop too long. Another time-consuming masterpiece, probably. <laughs> it is a masterpiece in a way that I've never seen before. But um, I don't like the Western setting. I never did, but this has changed my views on it so much that I think I I would enjoy now watching Western movies. And the game is just amazing. So many different aspects. Uh, the missions are nearly all different. There's nothing, the, the wildlife, it's too much to talk about in five minutes. It's just like incredible experience. And yeah, it takes a long time, but then I stop it. For example, I'm playing the campaign, so I'm not playing online. So maybe I play a couple of hours, then I wait a month and I play another couple of hours. I go on with my, you know, with the missions. It's like a GTA kind of game. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about because it's such a big deal. But it's made I really by love the it. same guys from GTA. So yeah, it's Rockstar. It's basically it? GTA Cowboy Edition. Mm, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> but very nice. Very, very nice. I mean, the details is astonishing. Even the cows poop. Sorry, the, the horses, they got horses and they poop. It's incredible. Yeah, they like, got a poop, right? Yeah. yeah, they got a poop even in video games. <laughs> <laughs> really, really incredible. Anyways, um, so yeah, I played some, spent some time on that uh, this week um, and last week. <laughs> wow. And then I've been looking at some other games. Hmm. A trilogy, in fact, uh, Grunio Zerza for the NES. And one of our listeners, MT, has done the graphics for one or two of these games. Uh, this, these three games also have a, just a number to differentiate them. So it's called Grunio Zerza and then Grunio Zerza 2 and 3. <laughs> All of these games were originally made for a charity event, apparently called Grammy Tatwin. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Lucas is the author and he, he made the first game by himself. And for the second and the third, he pretty much designed all the mechanics and did all the programming. And MT did the graphics and most of the puzzle designs. And the second game, uh, I think, was an original concept by Lucas. And the third game was a lifelong goal of uh, Lucas to turn the bomb diffusal minigame from Codemasters Ultimate Stuntman into a full game. Uh, so I don't know any of this, unfortunately. So I'm kind of reading this out, to be honest. So doesn't ring a bell for me either. No, I don't know. I, I don't know all these games. Um, and uh, the the music one and two use a pre-existing music from OzNet and Shiru, respectively. And the third game instead is uh, made by a game musician Chip Jockey. In the first game, you're a guinea pig, and you have to go around and fetch the carrots that are falling down and the carrots change color, white, green, blue, and red. And you have to match the guinea pig's color by pressing the fire button and it will change the color of the guinea pig. And then you have to fetch the corresponding color carrot that's falling really. Okay. So that, that's it, that's all there is to the game. The first game is really, really bare bones and simple, yet it, somehow they've managed to make it quite addictive for longer than I would have expected to be addicted to it, let's say. 
because uh, if you go in a streak and keep collecting the carrots without failing, the value, the points that you get increases. And then they've done, I think, from my recollection now, a small like shake of the of the screen when you get it. So it gives you some sort of feedback that's not only the points and it, it, it feels good. Uh, but it's so hard and the mechanics are so simple uh, that you can pick it up really quickly, but it's very hard to master, I think. Hmm. Also, the hamster has some form of inertia in a way. So it picks up speed the longer you go. But then when you stop, you, you start from a slower speed. So it seems to me that way, at least. So that's all there is to this game. There's no end. There's no final boss. You just keep going. Every time you miss a, uh, a carrot, you lose a life. You've got three lives and then it's game over. When you lose a carrot as well, you break the streak. So you have to start from 10. Let's say like the first carrot then is worth 10 again. Then it's worth, I don't remember, 20, 30, 50, 100. Or, and then it gets to, I think, up to 500, if I recall correctly, or 5,000. I don't remember now, but it's quite good that the fact that they put that, that kind of chain into it, like it makes you want to not fail. Sounds really like a simple and short arcade yeah. experience. Yeah. In fact, the game that I suppose Diego would have loved. <laughs> Fetch the carrots. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a really cute character, the guinea pigs. I always have a soft spot for guinea pigs. Yeah, there is a theme behind all these games have the same guinea pig, I see, seems to me. Uh, they, they love guinea pigs. It's so... probably really hard to make a sprite of a guinea pig. It's Like <laughs> yeah. guinea pigs don't have any shape. It's like <laughs> just a, like a, like a, a salami with Yeah, sausage <laughs> or salami with ears or something. Yeah. <laughs> But they, they really did well with this prize. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, you know, um, as much as I, you know, I, I've had some guinea pigs, I, I wouldn't know how to draw a guinea pig myself as, uh, yeah, like a sausage, especially with pixels, it would be very difficult. Yeah. The second episode in the series, the Grunia Zerza 2, is a little bit different and a bit more in, you know, there's more to it than, than the simple basic concept that, it, that the first was. So it's a, like a one screen as a platformer puzzler. And the aim of this game, similar to some other ones that we've seen, is fetch the key and get out. And you can see the hamster sideways on this one. And you have to climb objects and um, wall parts, let's say walls, to get to the key and and then uh, go to the door and in order to get out there are some carrots around the screen as well that that are bonus points so you have to try and get those as well and uh, the say the unique mechanic in this is that you have like I, I like to call them like tetris pieces they look like tetris pieces that are around the level and you can get them and then you can summon them in order to reach places which creates a, a quite a, an interesting puzzle mechanic that happens uh, there and then. And you can vary this every time. And it might work if you put them Tetris pieces in other places. There's probably different ways to f complete the level, I'm guessing. Um, but it, it is very challenging, very challenging. It looks fun. It's like a side-scrolling game. It's maybe a little bit like Witch and Wiz or something. Yeah, uh, I was thinking it's a bit of a, cr a crossover, like Witch and Wiz and Pio Pau <laughs> in, the, in the same kind of uh, environment. There are, I think, total of 24 levels, and you can see them at the top, like Pio Pau, like it's like a little bar, and every level you go past, the a hamster hops on, 
And I think there are some special levels. When you're jumping from one platform to the other, the guinea pig also has some space. So I had some trouble with that, uh, especially in the beginning. I couldn't really understand how far it would go and if it would cling to the, um, the actual walls. So if you, if you jump, uh, you can reach a place maybe without putting a block by just jumping because sometimes he hangs on it and pulls himself up a bit like Prince mm. of Persia, if you want. Very agile guinea pig. Yes, this guinea pig also can move stools. So there's later on in the game, uh, stools are introduced, which uh, yeah, sitting stools, just to be precise. <laughs> we know guinea pigs, don't we? Uh, so he can move the, the stool, but to move the stool, there's a, there's a bit of an inconvenience because sometimes he goes underneath it. Sometimes he goes on it and I couldn't move it. So I had to ask how that mechanic worked properly. And you have to really time and position the guinea pig in, in the right spot in order to jump and push the stool against the wall and would bounce off and then you could then push it the other side. So that was um, something I needed to get used to. And that's later on in the levels. And some of the levels then become really difficult and have other, other components. So you have levers as well. So at a certain point, levers are introduced and levers can either... For example, break some walls, um, leaving you access to other areas, or the levers can also make some platforms pop out and pop in. And so the puzzles become way way more complicated. There's are, there are some sort of teleport pads, I call them, but there's no pads there. There's just some lights and you can go on one and it teleports you to another. So you, you can kind of have an idea of how this is kind of working out. Like mm. it's a, like a very complete puzzle game and those carrots are they doing anything when you pick no them it's up? just points just extra points so you can complete the just game extra challenge or something yes yes you can you can complete the game and with all the carrots or even if you don't get any i think yeah it, it's still it's still fine it says uh, on the itch.io grab every carrot if you don't want to deal with a hungry cavy i don't know i didn't <laughs> notice maybe 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 when you beat it and you don't have every character, you will get a bad ending or something. I don't know. The, the ending is pretty pretty nice. I did I did have a peek at how that looks like. The graphics really good. Yeah, it's done very well. I think. Yeah, it really looks beautiful. Also, one other thing I would like to add is that there is here a password system, so you can always start from where you left off as long as you know the password. In this case, the password is made up of numbers, and uh, all of them are free. And it's free, I think. Oh, that's nice. And it comes with a manual, so maybe the, the stool problem will be, yeah, would be in there. Yes, yes. Uh, one of our listeners, Calm Like a Bobomb, did write to us that he loved it. Uh, he thinks it's a great puzzle platformer. It has some really good head-scratching puzzle. It felt very satisfying being able to solve them. And he also made sure to collect all 24 carrots, and he enjoyed the extra challenge. By the 17th stage, I felt my brain was on the same wavelength as the developer. So there you go. And so he was able to finish the puzzles faster. Incredibly fun game. Awesome music as well. So that's his opinion. I can't but concur. It's very hard for my brain, though. So I've been stuck for a while, I think, on level 18, I think it was. Uh, and I haven't finished it yet, but I did have a look at it online. Okay. Number three, and last one for me. This is Grunio Zerza 3. And again, it's another puzzler. 
and again it features guinea pigs. The love of guinea pigs is uns unparalleled. The music here immediately strikes me as really good. So this one I, I noticed immediately as soon as I switched it on that the, the music was really up there. This is specially made for the game. Yes, yes. And the I know also, I didn't finish this one either, but I got fairly forward. But you can go in the menu and you can listen to all the tracks. So that was pretty nice. And, and I had a listen. They're, they're really nice and they're quite atmospheric as well. So I quite like those. It's, as I said, more polished compared to the second. It's a bit different. So you've got an isometric view in this case, a sort of isometric view. I wouldn't say isometric view. It's from the top sort of uh, view. Zelda style. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Zelda style is a good way to put it. In this case, again, you have the progression. So you have all the uh, little uh, chips of uh, the, the bar where you're kind of, which is a path that you're going through all the levels. And every time you pass to a second to next level, the the hamster hops over to the next <laughs> to the next platform, which is quite cute, I found. So in this case, the puzzling is very different. You exit the room from a sort of manhole for a guinea pig. A guinea pig hole, in fact. <laughs> it's just a ledge in the middle of the room. Yeah, or and yeah. basically you have to clear the room from all the platforms and leave it all nice and tidy and then jump into this little hole. But you cannot leave any of these platforms there. So you have to get rid of them mm. all. Well, the ones that can be, let's say, destroyed. So I say destroyed. So basically every time you go on one of these platforms in the first levels they destroy, the, each platform has a little number underneath that tells you how many times you can jump on that platform before it, it disintegrates and destroys. And that's, you can immediately see where the puzzle's going there. So you have to find a way to destroy all these little tiles and then obviously exit uh, the room. And there are so many then different things that happen and uh, get introduced very slowly. Uh, there, There is a password system here as well. So don't fear if you get lost, you can uh, write down the combination of vegetables in this case. And if you remember the combination of vegetables, you can start from where you left off. Mm. And then the difficulty yeah, ramps up really quickly. Uh, like uh, there's new stuff introduced every time. So, I mean, I've witnessed some stuff and there's wheels that slide you around in one direction or the other. There are before that, let's say, blocks where you can jump on and off only in one direction. Uh, there are teleporting pads as well here. There's carrot blocks that you go on and they give you an extra carrot as well. And then they've got... Those carrots are also just a bonus. Yes, I, I, that's my, I haven't gotten that far. So I don't know, I haven't got to, the f to where the carrots are yet. I've just seen them, these. Um, and then there's inflatable kind of tiles, which are really problematic. So every tile destroys somehow. So if you if you jump from one tile to another with a one with one, with written one on it, the first time you jump off it, then that's gone. The one that's written, that has two written on, the second time you jump off it, you know, it gets destroyed. There are threes, I think, if I recall correctly. And then there are exploding tiles that make other ones explode. Wow. And then there's really complicated. This, it is, it is, it is very, my God. I looked at uh, levels, I think 24. My goodness. That's the last one. Me. <laughs> that level looks insane. But yeah. How long does it take to clear one level? For me, a month. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
for normal people, probably a couple of minutes is the first ones, but then it becomes, I think, really complicated. I had to try and try and try again uh, so many times. Uh, I think level four already for me was very difficult. Uh, but as I was saying, then there's these little inflatable cushions things uh, that you land on. I don't know, some maybe call them whoopee cushions, I don't know, but they reinflate. So if you don't if you don't destroy them completely, they start reinflating again. Mm. And they, I think, take four jumps to get completely destroyed. But if you leave them at three and then go away, they start blowing up again and then you have to go on them again. So it's it's very, very complicated, Dif very difficult. For my brain, it's very difficult. Do you feel there's only one solution to this puzzle? I think there is. is. In this case, I think there is only one solution, one way to finish it. Well, that will be hard to find out, probably. Yeah. One thing I can say is that because this one doesn't rely on your skills as much, uh, like it relies more on you thinking rather than... Not reflexes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that the other one does, but the other one, you might get a jump wrong and then you have to go back up and do it again. But this one doesn't have any of that. So you actually... All your your human effort for of the neurons is just in solving the puzzles, really. Mm. And also, if you get stuck, or you you know you you end up in a in a situation when you know you've already messed it up in both number two and number three, you can press I think start, and then and then you can restart the level. I think. There's no. Uh, rewind button or something. No, that would have been a great addition. A bit like. Um, uh, which and whiz was that would have been a good a good thing to add, but they didn't put yeah. it in. Okay, I can imagine that if you spend like fifteen minutes in a level and you do one misstep, you yeah are really bothered with resetting the whole level. Yeah, but if you say there's only one solution, then you must you must go you must rewind or uh, reset the whole level. That's not really fun probably yes 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 you're right uh, i mean there's another there's a hidden mechanic not not hidden for me but <laughs> and i explain why in a second so if you do the levels a lot of times and you keep fading and restarting it the game kind of picks up on it and says if you there's another guinea pig a black one that says to you hello if you want me to show you how it's done you know i can show you <laughs> and then it, it actually does it for you the whole, the whole level or only some hints? No, no, the whole level. The one I saw, I think it was the whole level. It just showed you how oh. to do it all. And I was like, okay, but fair enough. It thinks I'm really garbage at this. And uh, they're right. <laughs> and the next level will be uh, even harder. So Yeah. But it shows you, but you still have to do it. Yeah, then you have to remember anyway. it. But if it's a short level, it's okay. Mm. But mm. when you get to light level, you know, over, I don't know, 15, 20, pff, there's stuff everywhere, wheels. It's just a, f a screen full of stuff. But if you know the solution, it's it seems to be quite easy. You just jump in a couple of places and the wheels just take you everywhere. Everything explodes. It's quite nice. It's a bit like, uh, I don't know, doing, playing, what's it called, billiards or pool. And it, you know exactly the angle and all the balls go in. You know, it, you have to have that that kind of um, knowledge. It's uh, really good. It's really One thing which, which is super interesting on this uh, itch.io is that it says clean forever in the procedurally generated survival mode, which is really interesting because I think it's really hard to procedurally generate puzzles. True, true. I did not try that. You're you're completely right though. How can you how can you generate puzzles on the fly that actually work and don't lock you up? It's beyond me. Mm. Very difficult. Mm. Well, 
interesting. So there's a pretty long livity in there, probably, that, uh, that you can keep playing it forever, even if you finished all those 24 levels. Yeah, yeah. And also there's a story. Every level, there's a little bit of story that the guinea pigs talk to each other. One, the the white one, which you are, and the black one. Or they do some chatting, or, or the white one or yourself says something funny at the beginning. It's uh, it's. I think it's well, very well put together. I quite like it. I know. I think this was done in 2019, the number three, but it's still really good, really good, and I think it's featured in the um, Evercade collection now as well. Hmm, that's uh, nice. The older games are only the third one. Sorry, all the games are only the third one. No, all of them. Uh, he says that the. Um, the games only only had a very limited cart releases for the original charity events, but they're working on getting a physical NES and Famicom release and of the trilogy ROM. And he says seen on the Evercade collection. So I suppose that's the case. So that they're doing them all free. Is there any word of a fourth version, or is this a no, no, not that I know. I could have asked that, but I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think they are. But who knows fourth must be even more complicated even more puzzly yeah and they're all completely different after all from yeah in fact yeah one is uh the first one is the most different like for me and then the other one are two right puzzles but they're slightly different from one another yeah one is side scrolling one is top down yeah they all look uh, really uh charming they are very charming and yeah, again the music's very nice and yeah, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the, the, the time I spent with them. I really did. I thought maybe, yeah, we could try them as well, guys, if you if you want to. I think it's uh, really cool. Yeah, why not? All right, should we have a break? Yes, let's do it. Okay, all right. Drone 34 here, ready to take off. Just put new game mode frame on while I'm in flight to keep myself entertained. Roger that. Game mode frame is on. All is good to go. And we're back, and it's time for news. Okay, well, I think that this is probably going to be very old news when we air this episode, but for me, undoubtedly, the biggest news of the last few days have been the announcement about Google Bard. So Google is also soon going to offer its own artificial intelligence based services. And uh, unfortunately, it's not really publicly available yet. So we're going to have to wait sometimes. But I think that this could be another huge thing coming. That would be fun to... Uh, is that also uh, a chat well, bot? Probably, yes. I'm not sure because, well, very few people have actually seen it. Uh, it there's a closed beta, as far as I know. It would be great to uh, let Google Bart chat with uh, chat DP. Yeah, GPT definitely, definitely, definitely. Have a first AI battle <laughs> over some topic. That would be amazing. Uh, to, to be honest, I, I tried to have chat GPT... Uh, argue with itself because you can open multiple chats and have parallel discussions and i think it can't see the other one but well hmm. i didn't manage to make it argue really it 
I, I try to frame the things like, please suggest me a question that I should ask another AI-based chat. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, but okay. it, first of all, it always just tends to... Yeah, but you have to, you have to make them uh, discuss some uh, political uh, question. Or yeah, that maybe like, that's, that's a possibility. Or when we, when we get both two different systems, we could ask, uh, what do you think about the other system or which system between you and the other do you think it's best? So, and then just <laughs> copy paste the answer into the other chat and see how it reacts because I would expect that they would both try to win the argument that they are the best one. So that might be fun to watch. Yeah, but Jet, Jet GPT doesn't know Google Bart yet. No, no, it, it doesn't. Definitely, it, it has this cutoff uh, time of, late 2021 but eventually at some point they but so what happened when you tried to make it argue with itself in the end yeah ah uh, i couldn't it just oh, agrees it just with itself oh, but makes sense wouldn't it yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> these ai language models and in artificial intelligence um uh entities let's say I always imagine them as highly sophisticated and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with, with these uh, sort of um, chatbots. And I'm wondering if they run on quantum computers or if they run still on, you know, normal computers, the, the ones that we have been used uh, to. I don't think there are quantum computers out there yet, which... I'm, I'm pretty sure Google has some. And also Facebook. I, th I think I saw some articles of them having them, but I don't know how they use them. Well, I think one, one question, not sure how big relevance it really has, but it might be that even running certain algorithms on, on those quantum computers might be very energy consuming. Mm. So they not sure if they would want to run too much on them. Um, I, I don't see much problems perhaps with the chat GPT at the moment. There are times when it looks busy and it tells you that please wait a little bit because now too many people are trying to use it. Mm, yeah. But for instance, um, I have also tried the Dol E, Dal E, that is still part of, of uh, chat GPT um, environment, so that's, to speak. That's the image at, generating. Thing, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. It's the image generating. And there you have a limited number of images that you can request. And it mm. does take longer than uh, the chat to give you some output. So I kind of think that they are limiting because they might actually cost some non-negligible cost to them. You know, there's... Um... Uh, an engine called Stable Diffusion, and you can download that on your computer, and it runs the AI algorithm to 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 generate images uh, in the same way. So it runs; it actually runs on your laptop if you want it to run. Okay, that's interesting. Um, obviously, there's also one called Unstable Diffusion that I am <laughs> not going to go into, but you can all guess what that is. That runs on NES. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's interesting. It would be really interesting to know. Also, if it's not if it's not running a on a quantum computer, can a quantum computer run it, and w would the answer be different? That's uh, another interesting uh, 
Um, I've never understood quantum computing, so I don't, um, I cannot imagine if it would be different or not. Maybe it's the same. It's been a while since I delved into quantum computing, so I can't answer that for you. Sorry. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So Google Bard, when is it going to be released? Do you know? I don't know. For the public, no? It's been announced, but I don't know when it will be available at large. All right. So watch the space. We'll have a look at it for sure when it comes out. I'm very interested to see if it does better than ChatGPT, which incidentally today helped me out solve um, an R-Sync issue that I had with the website. That was pretty cool. Anything else? For me? Um, uh, well, yeah, there was a small news that caught my attention. That was actually on the Italian news, but it comes, I think, from some Switzerland-based company, if I remember right. Uh, there's something they're releasing called Aegis Rider, mm -hmm. which got my attention just because it reminded me of Aegis Sonic. Do you remember that software for music for Commodore Amiga back then? Ah, uh, yeah. But it's got I nothing remember. to do with it. This this is uh, just basically um, augmented reality helmet for motorcycles. Oh God! Okay, and, it sounds dangerous uh, from the get-go. I I guess it's a challenge, especially for aging for aging riders. Oh right, for aging Aegis riding. <laughs> well, it would be good to know if it actually requires you to be in very fit. So also might be necessary to be of appropriate age, not too young, not too old to use it, <laughs> because augmented reality during driving well it could also be a bit dangerous you know i i would like to see how they pull it off from a safety point of view but i think it's uh it's a quite exciting idea what, what, i haven't what had this plate on the augmented reality just your speed or because that there could are... be safer if you can see your speed and you don't have to look down when you're on the motorcycle maybe that's mm. safer and... yes yes it's i pretty sure it shows speed maybe it also displays uh, for example gps uh, so you can yeah, navigate yeah. easier i think it could be uh safer if you just don't have to look around it's definitely supposed to be an aid that improves driving not uh, not an obstacle no gaming but, on, uh, for instance while riding yeah <laughs> navigation is very likely to be uh, one of the feature and then I think it shows suggestions about lanes and trajectories that you can follow, like mm. to optimize your drive and uh, to reach your destination also in the safest possible way. That's pretty but, cool. Yeah, I think that uh, it's a kind of a, a detachable AR optics that you put in, in front of your eyes, part of the helmet. They also have sensors, probably cameras in front of it. Uh, I have never actually tried something like that, a helmet with augmented reality. So the, the big difference compared to virtual reality is that you can see through it. So uh, it's, it's quite a different experience. And uh, I had a little bit of a chance to experiment with uh, programming for augmented reality many years ago, but sadly only on emulators, not on real hardware. Okay. But uh, 
I think it has a lot of potential, maybe not so much for gaming, but for uh, for aiding, for helping applications. I could imagine, for instance, helping firefighters, guiding firefighters in some dangerous situations where maybe there's a place full of smoke, but if the helmet is connected with some uh, database that has the, the map of the place, it can help you navigate even if you can't see because of mm, the smoke yeah. and the fire. That could be a good idea. And, um, yeah, like Microsoft yeah, I, was also working on that HoloLens, which uh, already demoed, like I think, four years ago or something. And it seems to work. And there is, of course, the 3DS and the PS Vita, which did all kinds of experiments with uh, augmented reality. Um, they had games, little, little games, uh, be because there's a camera in both of the, those devices. There's little games with QR code uh, cards, and you can uh, play little games with it, with your own face on it. Or, it's it's really basic, and it did never really catched on. I think this, mm -hmm. there's even these things on, uh, on phone. I think there's phone games which do augmented reality. It's pretty cool, but it's still a little bit of a gimmick. Yeah, yeah, it is. And of course, there were also the infamous Google Glass yeah. that yeah. never really caught on. I think maybe it could be that technology is a little bit too early. It could be that uh, production is too costly, so they can't really ramp it up for the large public. But um, I always had the feeling that it will probably take off from non-gaming, non-entertaining applications first. Because uh, if you get, for example, the public sector or private companies to buy these for specific applications, they can afford to spend a lot of money for a bunch of helmets for their workers, like if it helps their workers do some, some job long before the, the price can drop down to a, a reasonable level for the public. Well, I, I haven't I, seen it yet. My other, my story is about something augmented reality. Hey, good day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, quite related. And uh, it's about a new um, roller coaster ride thing in uh, Universal Studios. They have like that Super Mario Land or the Super Nintendo World or something. That's so cool. I, I really want to go and see that. Yeah, that looks crazy. And uh, in Japan, it's already open and they are also making one in the US now. And um, there is one ride, which is the Mario Kart augmented reality ride, where you have to probably do certain tasks while being in sort of car ride. And... The problem with that uh, ride is that the most American citizens are too fat to fit in that ride. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, bless okay, them. Okay, okay. There, there's a lot of complaining about uh, that there's a sort of fat shaming, uh, and uh, they got in a lot of trouble because um, you have to be at uh, at most 40 inch waistline, and the average American mill is 40.5 inch. So 
Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, it's a bit sad in in a way. I hope Americans can recoup, you know, their a healthy diet and uh, and eat better and feel better. Yeah, but uh, I I I searched. I thought, what is the average waistline for other countries? So I thought I do some searching around, and in uh, the Netherlands, it's thirty five dot eight. Okay. And the UK is thirty five dot four. So they're they're a little bit slimmer. And yep. uh, in France, there are 36.3. So they will all fit in that ride. But I don't know. This, this is a ride which is obviously designed for kids. And also... <laughs> I don't know the adults are going on. <laughs> also, it has to be regulated so it's safe for kids. So I, yeah. I can see why the, the, the seats are a little bit tinier and the 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 belts for the right yeah, are... it makes sense because it's for kids isn't it yeah. i think i think it's for kids uh so yeah i don't know if what what should they do what what would be the solution should they make separate seats for adults so they can also sit in there or yeah what what, what do you think about it because it should be safe for kids that's i think for first and foremost the most important thing about a uh, yeah, roller definitely. coaster ride or whatever it is. It's it's probably not a roller coaster, but it's more like a well, it moves around and you sit in a car. So I think yeah, that's most important. Well, I have another question before. Can you actually drive the car? Or does it is it just like you you're taken for a ride? I think you're taken for a ride. Right. Okay. okay. And what is the AR showing at the same time? Collect as many coins as possible by tossing shells at AR targets throughout the ride. That's the goal of the ride. Okay, okay. So uh, that ride. sounds pretty fun, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So there's a ride, like a roller coaster, but then at the same time, a sort of uh, game built in during the ride. Yeah, you look around and you have probably you have a steering wheel in front of you with probably buttons, which you can maybe shoot or. I don't know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Sounds cool, sounds cool. What I think about it, I don't know. I'm going to say really quickly, gate it for kids and say only kids and no adults can go on it. And then they've solved the problem, uh, unfortunately. And that's it. But also there is a problem with increasing obesity in kids as well. So mm. we have to just hope that, uh, you know, people can recover from this and uh, and improve their lifestyle instead of getting worse. Uh, it needs to be some education. Uh, you know, that comes from higher up and starts educating people on how to live their lifestyles properly. And I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go too too deep into no. this too much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's what I would do in, in a nutshell. To, to Yeah, but th this is not something you can solve really easily, I think, no. other than change the ride. Or, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't blame the, the people now. <laughs> who or want to go into that ride so yeah it's just a strange problem to have it's a strange problem to have and not a good one to have as well because it, it, however you want to uh, resolve it in my opinion it's it, gonna cost you a lot of money either you change the cars and then yeah and then you have to spend the money to change the cars or you gate it for kids and you and you lose the the, the money from the adults. Yeah, and it's also not uh, inclusive anymore. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Diego? I think you are making me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> On a less serious note, do you think that 
if I get motion sickness from the roller coaster and motion sickness from augmented reality, do you think they might cancel each other out? <laughs> you should try that. <laughs> Maybe that would be then my favorite ride ever. Or double it or, or cancel it. It's, it's a bit of a gamble. Yeah. You have to try once. Or you come yeah. out destroyed or perfectly happy. Exactly. It's, of course, really sad that people are not allowed to go in there. But on the other hand, there's a lot of child things where you have to be a certain height and you can go in there either. So There's lots of regulations for different rides. The tall, how tall you have to be, how old you have to be. And if you've got some heart problems, you can't go. So, you know, uh, you know there's lots of regulations already. So I don't think it... Yeah, it's not it's not the best, but it's one of the many. Maybe if you're over a certain height, you can't go in there anymore or something. If you're too tall, yeah, maybe that 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 would be oh. it would be I mean, better I'm, I'm, than measure waistline. That's just a yeah. little bit too uh, confronting for a lot of people, probably. Yeah, that's that's the whole problem, isn't it? You make people face the reality of facts sometimes, and then they don't like it. On a different note, I have a little bit of news. And um, basically, if you own a PS2 and you have games without manuals, you'll be happy to know that someone by the name of Kirkland has decided to scan every possible US game manual for the PS2 in 4K and upload it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of manuals. I think the PlayStation 2 is one of the most popular systems ever. So they have probably an insane amount of manuals. How could you even find all those manuals and then scan them? How? how? I, I can't... Just, uh, yeah, I know. It's it's insane. I don't know how long it took, uh, but it, it it's a massive undertaking. So this news is on Kotaku, and uh, I think he wanted to preserve all this stuff, and he did it with, uh, this Kirkland guy did it with a, a very, very, you know, homemade scanner, not a flatbed one, which he wanted to use, apparently. Uh, so the difference is that the flatbed, you have to open the, the lid, put it on, and then put a lid down and scan it, but because there's so many, um, this guy had to use like a more um, automated way of scanning it. So he bought like an automated scanner, but the results are not to his liking as much, let's say. So he he says this is a functional preservation, but not exactly what he wanted. And then he went down a rabbit hole trying to understand what is the best resolution? Should I do it in, you know, the best maximum resolution where every file is one gig or something like that per page? <laughs> How big would the archive be? How big is the archive now? Uh, uh, you have to wait a second because, well, it's roughly 17 gigabytes as it stands oh, now. Wow, that's okay. And before, that, that's compressed. So it was 230 gigabyte before it was compressed. So it's quite quite a big one. And yeah, it's uh, 1,900 games that he's preserved up to now, let's say. So basically all the, all the catalog. And I think he spent a load of money on the games to actually buy the ones that he didn't have the manuals for. Yeah. So he spent like eight grand, 40 grand on his own US PS2 collection. 40 grand? And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Well, it's nuts, isn't it? Like... like also, he grabbed basically every new release when when they got down to um, uh, to twenty dollars or less. So he bought them all, 
but that's like 800 releases that that he bought at that price that's an insane amount of money yeah <laughs> that's that's i don't know but it's incredible but what what do you think about um nowadays there's hardly any manuals anymore and i always get really sad about it and even i saw a screenshot on twitter from someone who bought dodgeball academia for switch that's a game okay and, uh, he opened it and there was a manual inside so <laughs> the first thing i did was order a copy for myself because i thought Wow, I, I want a game again with a manual. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an awesome choice to do. Like, I buy a game just because I want a game with a manual, no matter how good or bad it is. No, yeah, it, it was already sort of on my radar, but that was like the the final straw that I thought, okay, now I have to, now now I have to get it. It's just so sad that all the manuals are gone, and it's also, especially now, you everything is digital. I know. And when you buy physically, you want something special out of it and i think that that manual that's that was a nice part of yeah. it yeah especially if you go back to the times like you know i've got the as i said before in some other episodes as well i've bought baldur's gate original and then that's got inside a map a big big manual it's very complete it does give you a sense of satisfaction yeah but it's also when you i, I remember that I got a, a game, new Game Boy game as a kid and I opened it up and I couldn't play it yet because my Game Boy was somewhere else, but I could at least look into the manual and watch all the characters and there's a lot of nice character art and, and nowadays that's all gone and it's just, it makes me really sad actually. It's... Yeah, yeah, it, it is a bit sad. Are you a, uh, a manual lover? <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> wrong, sorry. <laughs> Do you like manuals, Diego, or do you not? Uh, yeah, I, I had the same feeling as Widow here that sometimes it was good, like uh, as a kid, when your gaming time was up and you had to go to bed, but you still had the manuals that you could bring with you and, yeah, and read yeah, that yeah. and maybe figure out something new that you didn't notice. At least in my case, my instinct is always just fire up the game and play before reading the instructions and then maybe figuring out something later on but but it's definitely definitely something to miss from from the old times yeah for sure and this guy did it all by himself and then i think he tried to involve other people but he wasn't very happy so i don't know how many hours he spent i don't remember now but a lot of hours and late nights to scan all these manuals and uh, yeah i think you can find them on archive.org again it's a lot of stuff uh, if you like manuals and you want your digital manuals back. And to be fair, I mean, he has a point, doesn't he? So there are some games uh, out there that if you actually want to read the manual, for the, you know, and there is no scan of it, they cost a lot of money nowadays. There's one that they mention in, in, uh, in this article. Chrono Trigger is about $200. And if you want that manual and no one scanned it, then you have to pay $200 dollars to, to read it you know and i can understand someone who cannot afford that nowadays yeah uh, for example there is on reddit there is the game of the month on the game boy reddit yeah and they every month they play a game mm -hmm. and sometimes i think okay let's i want to re read that manual of the game but sometimes it's just you can't find it anywhere it's not out there the manual is not yeah. online which is really strange actually why isn't that online and 
I'm happy people are doing this. I, I hope he gets something out of it, other other yeah, than so sat satisfaction. Yeah. Hopefully, he also gets some financial support or <laughs> something else. I don't know because, yeah, it, it seems like work. This this is it's tricky, crazy. isn't it? He can't sell it or anything because it's copyrighted stuff. So I don't think he can make any. Yeah, maybe donations. Uh, maybe with donations. That's a good point. Yeah, I had the same experience where I was trying to look for a manual of, of uh, Warcraft, the first one for PC. But besides the front cover and the back cover, you can't find much. And I really wanted it, but I did not find it. So, yeah, some stuff is getting lost in time. Even with popular games, seemingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where people throw the boxes away as well of games and then they just keep the stuff inside. And they, eh, it's always been that way. Anyways, moving on. Uh, for all Atari lovers, you'll be happy to know if you don't already that at CES 2023, Atari has come out with three new little consoles. Again? Don't know. Have, <laughs> have, you, have you heard that? Have you heard about that, Weedo, Diego? No, but Atari uh, has a hand of releasing a console every the year the VCS <laughs> yeah. the VCS for example which nobody bought oh yeah I know yeah they, they're releasing stuff and maybe they're just releasing it and see if something sticks or something but I don't know what, what are these new things they announced I don't know uh, one's called the pocket player and it looks like a, a handheld resembles for me a little bit the like I would say the Game Gear, but uh, maybe not. Maybe the Micro. The Game Boy Micro? Yeah, correct. I couldn't come up with a name. Yeah, thanks. So it looks a bit like that. And uh, and it has some Atari Colors Pocket Player, it's called. And it's got like a D-pad on the left. It's not very big. And two buttons, B and A, a bit like, um, reminds me a bit of the um, NES control in some respect. But Home and Select are at the top. Anyways, it's very small. And yeah, all right. That's one of them. And then they released one that's called the Micro Player, which is a small, resembles a small cabinet with a small joystick and again an A or B in button and a select and start at the top. It's very, very small though. And then I think the star of them all is uh, the Game Station Plus, which I must admit, it does look interesting. I don't know what I think about it, but. It does look legit. It's got it's like a big black slab of plastic with two big buttons on with an icon, power and home. And then it's got two joysticks. And the joysticks look really cool, I must admit, even that. They've got three buttons on and then they've all got RGB sort of um I don't know if it's the lights or if it's just a sticker, but it looks like it's got a rainbow sticker around it or some lights, I don't know. And yeah, it looks pretty cool, that one. I I'm not sure. Um so the speculation that they, that's come out is that uh, this this last one especially is going to be playing games from the Atari 2600, 7800 and some arcade games. No new games. Mm, I don't think so. I don't know. That would be interesting for our show. So these are really like uh, throwbacks or how do you say? Like the mini consoles. Devices. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I wasn't sure what you were really talking about here because I... I, I didn't quite catch this news, and but I've heard that there were some announcements of new stuff from Atari, and uh, for a second I thought that maybe they wanted to go back into the competition with new consoles, but these sound like, no, they are new devices, but to run old software anyway, so they are very much 
retro gaming devices, not new, not new stuff really. Are you guys interested in such a thing? Because like Atari doesn't hold any nostalgia for me and those games are super rudimentary, I think. No, they they still have, however, a huge fan base. And uh, well, as you said, they are very rudimentary. I agree with that. <laughs> but I, I do have interest at least in the in the first one the 2600 i didn't have it back then as a kid but my one of my neighbors had it and we played it a lot in fact even my nickname jungle hunter is a homage of to uh the jungle hunt game from that atari 2600 Mm. because i think it might have been the very first game i've ever played ever in my life wow that's pretty cool so some nostalgic feeling i do have for the first but uh, the other two famous 8-bit consoles of atari in the 80s when they came out they were of much of a letdown and they seemed old already to me when they came out so not not a fan of those but i can i am know for sure that there are a lot of people out there who love all the Atari consoles and but yeah. would you shelf out 60 euros for such a thing well maybe for the portable one this, the very small one the handheld basically that would be cool it's not that much of a cost i don't know which one was 60 i think the yeah one that one three. is speculated to be 60 usd uh, so 60 dollars uh, probably the smallest one. Yes, the pocket player. The pocket yeah. player is called. Okay. This it's is based on speculation, though, right? Eh? It's, basi- it's basically going to be size of a Game & Watch, for instance, or a controller, I'd... size of a controller, but with a screen. Yeah, with a screen but in the middle. At that yeah. price, you can buy a really nice... Like, for example, that Mio Mini I got. I, no, I knew you were going to say Mio Mini. Or, 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 or uh, Retroid 2 Plus, something like that. You have a really nice handheld which also plays playstation one games for example mm-hmm. yeah, and and of course all those atari games um, it's also a matter of how you obtain those atari games you know what i mean so this is all legal you know it's a license from atari and all naturally there's other ways to play the there's loads of other ways to play these games nowadays which yeah that legally i mean so you can do Anstream, for example and you can play the games there there's other there's that new collection platform atari yeah 50 year yeah. Or whatever collection it, which it mm. seemingly is really good yeah yeah i don't know yeah yeah i don't know what do you think about the atari microplayer that look, resembles like a little cabinet yeah it looks cool but yeah it's another piece of plastic on your desk probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, yeah i don't know i, I don't think it's something you buy which and never never touch again maybe play once and then it's just an ornament yeah which is yeah i'm not a real big fan of more products in the world i know there's loads isn't it i think at this price point they maybe they'll just end up being like gifts for and then then, then 60 euro 60 euros is pretty expensive gift it would be like well, it depends who are, who are you and who are you giving it to. <laughs> yeah, of course, but uh, yeah, gifts are more like yeah, I see maybe twenty or thirty euros, something like that. That's more a gift price, I think. But mm. yeah, there's probably a market for these uh, these things. But uh, I'm a little bit tired of all those mini consoles. 
I, I got the mm. NES one. I got the Super NES one. I've seen the the Mega Drive one, the the PC Engine one. The yeah, and there's another Mega Drive one now. The, there's the the Game and Watch uh, from Nintendo. It's it's getting a little bit insane. Yeah. So yes. is there a need for more of these? I think there's just a lot of plastic around the world which just standing there it's it's just make me makes me a bit sad uh, yeah i mean I, I agree on on most of what you said but if you just realize what you just mentioned that none of these are uh, what you mentioned are atari the only intelligence sega so this is probably the second one atari's doing and i'm not defending them at all i i don't have any nostalgia for it but when i saw the game station plus i thought to myself oh that looks really nice right and Depends also what it means for them when they say they're gonna, uh, it, when they speculate, when 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 it's speculated that they will probably have arcade games. Will those be only Atari arcade games? Will it be Pitfall or you know that sort of stuff, or will it? And then they could possibly make content for it, couldn't they, and distribute the content, original content for the Atari. That and I don't know what kind of processors in there, but I think it's a custom processor CPU and it outputs 720p. So it should um, be able to do other stuff as well, I'm, I'm guessing. And they could push some original content out that on it, which cool. would be... Then, then I'll be a lot more interested than just another yeah. Atari emulator. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... It looks cool. Don't get me wrong. The, the designs are nice, but yeah. it's just another way to play your Atari games. I don't know. And what about all the people that bought the VCS? What are they doing now? They say, oh, well, here, here's the VCS, and then, uh, oh, no, we now we put uh, another one out, and then what, do they have to buy double? I don't know. Yeah, the I same know. story. It seems it, a bit... There's no real support, and it's just they're throwing stuff out there and see if it's, it does something. Yeah, it's... Atari's dead. No, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, see. we'll see. Moving on. It's, I think it's time for emails. Okay, so we got an email message from Randy from Bradford, I think. And he says, I could not avoid noticing that a great chunk of new games for all computers and consoles are mainly puzzles. Why do you think that is? With all these puzzles being released, is it just going to be harder to be recognized? It seems to me that only the best will survive. Kudos and keep it up. Well, thank you, Randy, for your message. And, well, what do you guys think about this? Why do we always get puzzles and more puzzles? Puzzles are maybe easier to start with if you develop. Yeah. Because it's not that a lot of action, then it's a little, a little bit slower paced. I think maybe it's easier to program, not an action game, but... Um, Hardly more... any scrolling of the screen, perhaps. Right, yeah. There's mostly a no scrolling and one screen puzzling game. I think I think that's because that's why there's a lot of puzzles. But I have another problem. Every time when I think, oh, I'm going to play another game for our show, then I think, mm. oh, I'm playing another platformer again. <laughs> and I think there's tons of platformers uh, in in this category. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why Netscape was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a platform, it wasn't a puzzle. It may, let's say it was a puzzle, but it was a different sort of puzzle, let's say. Yeah, but uh, yeah. just like this episode, we brought four 
platformers and two puzzle games. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, it shows that it's a lot of uh, platforming and puzzling. But luckily, there's people out there doing other stuff as well. These two um, genres are <laughs> my favorite game genres, probably. Especially when they are combined. It's, it's probably something people like to do. And also, maybe people have nostalgia for that kind of game. And they start making that kind of game again. That's that's what I think is the reason. Uh, I I am always a huge fan of both puzzles and platforms, and I typically think that there is always room for one more platform. <laughs> but uh, usually, I'm happy if it has just one tiny little bit of novelty, one idea. That's enough for me. Yeah, new mechanic. Yeah for example, or even uh, a new take on graphic and a new style or something like that. Mm. But why do we get so many puzzles? I think you're absolutely right that there must be some reason in terms of how easy it is, especially for new developers, to start from a puzzle rather than something that has perhaps graphical challenges or something like that. Maybe one other thing that I could try to elaborate a bit on. I think that um, since we had smartphones, I think smartphone games are perfect for puzzles because puzzles are the kind of games that you don't need a lot of time to play. If you have one minute, you can play one level. And if you have an hour, you can play an hour worth of levels. Whereas other games kind of don't really let you stop. So the way I see it is that puzzles are perfect for smartphones that you might use when you're like waiting for the bus or something like that mm-hmm. in a very short time. So maybe maybe that wave of puzzles for smartphones has been perhaps the basis of which the new developers nowadays have been played on oh, for ages that's a good before point. starting. Yeah. And maybe yeah, that might naturally gravitate towards starting with them. Just a thought. Yeah, and of course, uh, looking into older libraries like the NES, that's also a lot of puzzles and platformers. So it's also maybe just a retro uh, genre, which is, I think when you make a game, then you think, oh, what was the game I liked in my past and what would I want to make? And... Yeah, maybe they just think, okay, I'm going to make a game for the NES. I liked this and this puzzle game for the NES. Let's try to make something like that as well. So maybe it's also the the the, the most logical choice to make for such a platform. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So I I my voice goes with with you guys. I think it's um, a bit of both so it's a it's probably the easiest thing to to develop making a puzzle because there's no scrolling there's nothing and i think we can see this kind of in modern games for old platforms you can see that the developers who made one game usually push themselves to do something more and then they try the scrolling ones and then and they probably it's a it's like a path they go on i think where they start with something simple and then build on that and then do another one and then a bit more complicated. I mean, Matt Houston did that exactly, didn't he? He did From Below, which was like a Tetris thing. 
And then he expanded a bit more on that with Witch and Wiz. And then now he's did a scrolling one, I think. No, or he's doing he's a scrolling making one. like a sort of Mario clone right, right now. He, he's making an empire <laughs> with his game. Yeah. But I think that's a progress thing. That, so you, you learn and you learn and, and what you learn, you apply to the new to the new games you're making. I think, yeah. And also there's the element of nostalgia. And, and I think Diego's right as well. There's never thought about that, that maybe they've been exposed to a lot of puzzles, so they want to create a puzzle as well. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, because there's so many puzzles, probably uh, you tend to not uh, focus on the less impactful. So you, you tend to skim a bit more on the puzzles, I, I find at least. If I have... If, uh, if, if I stumble upon, let's say, five or six games that are all puzzles, the one that draws me in the most is the one that looks more original or has more mechanics rather than the other ones. So I think Randy is probably right. I don't know. What, like, do you think that it's it's kind of a mashup of, of all puzzles? There's so many puzzles that then you have to... You, you naturally tend to select the ones that you, you want to play by looking at them and say, oh, this one, yes. So you, there's more competition on puzzles. Yeah, of course, uh, the, 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 the trilogy you brought to this episode, they look really nice. So uh, they look really appealing. And then you think, okay, that's something I want to play. The same for Witch, Witch and Wiz. was a puzzler which I thought, oh, this looks super nice. It sounds super nice. Then I want to play. So yeah, of course, the best will survive. But that's in gaming in general, probably. Mm, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, anyways. Yeah. That that, I think that's our answer. I don't know if anyone's got any, anything else to add. <laughs> Otherwise, thank you, Randy. Thanks, Randy. Okay, let's uh, go to the next... Uh, We've got two emails. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two well, emails. Keep, keep on sending those emails. It's, it's really fun. Please, yes. I don't know, but thank you. <laughs> Hello, guys. Silvio here. In the previous episode, you talk about games that are no longer so good. What about cartoons from the 80s and the 90s? Ciao. Well, that's uh, an Italian friend of yours, probably. Uh, he sounds Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's uh, he's referring to the cut. So, yeah, we, we've said this, uh, I think, in a couple of episodes already, that in Italy, during the 80s and the 90s, we had a huge influx of Japanese cartoons. And um, which ones, I think he's asking, are not good anymore, if you look at them. I think I have to stand by my... My stance that I had on the video games, probably most of them <laughs> for, me, for me are no longer good. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but we can go a bit more in depth. I don't know. Um, and also, I'm quite curious to know, Wido, what about Netherlands? What what kind of cartoons did you have in Netherlands in the 80s uh, we, and 90s? We, we mostly had... Uh, we, have, we had some original things from just Dutch-made stuff. Nice. Um, those maybe hold up in sense of sort of nostalgia, but not, I think if, if I show them to my kids, they won't like that anymore. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we had all those uh, cartoons from the US, which are only made to sell toys, I think. The, like the <laughs> that's an interesting point like yeah, uh, the maybe teenage right. mutant hero turtles oh don't say that there's a lo large fan base they'll come uh, under your house with with well I, I actually oh. have one here it's standing right behind oh, me oh yeah i can see it i can see it <laughs> i'm I, I, the toys are super nice and of course i think the comics are good mm -hmm. and also the games are great 
but <laughs> but not the cartoons. But uh, I I don't think you have to watch those cartoons anymore. I, I think yeah, they're they're mainly made for selling toys and uh, for example as well, biker mice from Mars stuff like that. It's pretty yeah. It's probably pretty terrible, but. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Also, like, that's also one. Maybe Transformers could be good, especially that movie. Transformers oh, I love movie. Transformers. The Transformers movie, that, that's a pretty good movie still. And mm. 80s and 90s cartoons, I don't think so. But, for example, Spongebob. I watched that when I was a student. Yeah. That, I, I think, uh, think that's still... Uh, Really funny. <laughs> so what's he, what year is that from? I, I don't even remember, to be honest. Well, that's too old probably for Spongebob. From the, the, the 2000s. Yeah, I, I'm also too old for Spongebob. When, but when okay. I was a student and I <laughs> had so, something to drink, it was really funny. Especially if you compare the, the English Spongebob episodes with the Dutch episodes. That <laughs> there's Normally when there's a Dutch uh, translation of cartoons, it's really bad. But the, the Dutch yeah. translations of of spongebob there are really there's a lot of innuendo in there there's a lot of oh my god there's a lot of jokes which only adults understand and and that makes it super funny so yeah i think i think that still holds up but yeah maybe it's just a silly form of humor i like okay so so you're you're bringing you're saying okay i i spongebob is good is one example that holds up and, and teenage mutant hero turtles no I don't think so, but I haven't seen it in ages, but mm. I think it's pretty yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. For example, those Mario cartoons I would try to watch again from the from the nineties. Uh, yeah, that's 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 terrible. Those are terrible. I don't know about that, Mike. <laughs> but I think those Japanese cartoons, I don't know which you had, but most of those Everyone. it's just anime. <laughs> anime is that's I think a bit higher quality. Probably. Yeah, well. I'll say my piece afterwards. <laughs> what what what, mm. what 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 shows did you like uh, in the eighties and nineties? What cartoons or what shows? Cartoons. Yeah, as Andy said, we we had uh, hundreds of Japanese cartoons. And what were the standouts? Well, generally speaking, I think most of them are still good, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, personally. I had stopped watching all those most action-oriented ones, like robots. There were a lot of cartoons about robots driven by human and defending Earth from alien invasion, something those like mech, that. That uh... was a very typical story, for example. But that's something I watched when I was in kindergarten and got tired of them quite quickly. Then there were series about every possible sport you can think about <laughs> baseball volleyball football of course in italy the football one was the by far the most favorite of everyone and but there were wait, really wait. About, there was one about fishing <laughs> there was one about fishing yes definitely competitive fishing <laughs> was that some pay some pay yes yes i remember that you could just say a topic and we'll probably find a cartoon from Japan in that era that is about that topic. But uh, as I said, many are still good, especially because they were not really meant for kids. Many of them were not, but 
the Italian importers of these cartoons didn't really know or they didn't really bother to check and they just thought everything that looks like animated it's for kids so let's <laughs> just show them on tv and then we ended up with the scandals because some of them were talking about very serious adult topics and then on the news on the newspapers people were arguing oh these japanese people let their kids watch this stuff but that's not what they do they weren't meant although not all of them for kids <laughs> where, where does and now that we are or... Or... They were translated, and in some cases they were even butchered in the translation <laughs> because they didn't want to to talk about what was really happening. Yeah, so, so they were censored and cut as well for that reason. Yeah, and they had a completely some... different meaning, and you it didn't really make sense in the end. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, in some in some cases they totally turned them around. We might have even talked about this in some previous yeah. episode. I don't remember, but. Uh, uh, there was a famous series called Ranma, where it was about characters who, for some sort of curse, they would change form whenever they got wet by water, cold water, I think, and hot water would turn them back. And the main character just happened to switch between being himself and turning into a girl just whenever he fell into water or something like that. Okay. And in a very lame attempt at disguising the ambiguous situation he was obviously going to find himself into when he was transformed into the other gender, in Italy they tried to pretend that they were brother and sister. <laughs> and nobody would understand this um, the story anymore because... Why, why, why is there always one of them at the same time, and why sometimes someone throws water on their head? And <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it was completely lost. I think they they did a couple of uh, translation rounds for this series. At some point, they just decided, okay, now we can't censor it because they are more interesting to watch now. They're they're very serious, not happy at all. I remember there was one that always fascinated me called the Galaxy Express. Oh, about nine, nine, nine. It's yeah. a science fiction story about someone leaving Earth on uh, these sort of space trains uh, and going through the galaxy, visiting lots of places. It was all kind of dark, very depressing feeling. And as yeah. a kid we didn't understand what it was all about. We were expecting battles and actions, maybe some funnies, and it had nothing of the sort. And it was very introspective in a sense. And it's all about meaning of life and uh, who knows, maybe the destiny of humankind, uh, what's going to happen to the society, what's going to happen with technology and everything. And it would be probably a lot better to watch that nowadays that we are all grown up and we won't look at it as a product for kids. We will look at it as something meant for adults, but just happen to use animation as the chosen media, yeah. as it could also use live action. It, it doesn't matter. It's just a different form of expression. Yeah, but, but nowadays we, we understand that because you have stuff like South Park or The Simpsons or stuff like that. That's also cartoons for adults. Yeah, definitely. So, but that concept came came later on 
cartoons for adults were not a thing that even were in the Italian culture at the time. It, cartoons were just for kids, end of story. It's just with, it's, it's been a big and long shift toward, towards having and recognizing that cartoons. Yeah, I think uh, when, when Simpsons came along, everybody thought it was for kids as well at that time. Yeah, yeah. But, but Japan did that years and yeah. years and years before, but no one understood that, which then created these hilarious situations. <laughs> So yeah, I kind of agree. Like uh, some of them are, are quite nice to watch now, uh, not so in an existential way. I did watch with my kids Adventures of Tom Sawyer, which is a Japanese cartoon, and that was quite nice. And the kids really enjoyed it. And it's obviously the story of Tom Sawyer, and it's um, broken into I think twenty four, fifty two episodes uh, in anime format, and really like that. That sort of stuff still holds up in my opinion. Uh, stuff like G.I. Joe never held up, but I must admit I have a soft spot for Mask. Oh, I always yeah. like Mask. I had the toys as well. I think that's God, also a problem. Amazing. It's also a show to sell toys. <laughs> that was Yes, it was, but I liked it. I don't know. Uh, I really enjoyed that show. And also, I was a lover of robots, so I watched them all and I really loved them. I don't know. If I watch them now, they're completely garbage. Like They're all the same, one episode after the other. But uh, I used to love those, and Transformer was one of my favorites. Just to stay a bit more neutral, like in neutral territory, where a bit in you know in the Netherlands and a bit in America and the UK, they had them mostly US cut, US made cartoons. I'm guessing. Obviously, in England, I, th I think they had some English made cartoons, but I'm um, not being born here. I don't have history, and I don't know. But yeah, some of them do hold up, and I I'd say. For me, what, what if I had to choose one that holds up and another one that's garbage? Uh, <laughs> probably any robot one is not good in my opinion nowadays. I don't, I don't probably enjoy them anymore. But they still hold a very, very strong nostalgia factor for me. Uh, so all those can go in the no. Um, one that holds up can probably be the yeah the Tom Sawyer Adventures. But mm, yeah, that's not strictly Japanese. But you know, that would you still really good. would you still watch Hokuto no Ken? Fist of the North Star. Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched it once years ago, and yeah, it was okay. It's really, it's like a shonen. It's like one of those. There's plenty full of them. So I think Fist of the the North Star was one of them, where they, where they, basically there is a hero that uh, slowly battles his way through all the enemies and becomes the best. And nowadays, I think my kids are watching My Hero Academia, which is also a shonen, and it's exactly the same. And there's loads of these. And I like them like a genre, but I don't think they're great. I had my time with uh, Fist of the North Star, and it was good. But if I watch it again today, it's a bit stupid. I think they did some mistranslations there as well, and completely, I think, skewed some of it in uh, some respect. But yeah, at the time, I remember it was impressive. I'd say that maybe... For the fun of it, Urusei uh, Yatsura, which Lamu Lum, I don't know. It's I think you have it in England as well. I'm not sure if you have it in in the Netherlands. Ring a bell. It's um it's a very very stupid and funny show. And then there's more that are modern that I think, but those are really adult oriented and not so much what we we used to watch when we were kids. I heard good stuff about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is also from 1990s, I think. Yeah, I think that's a shonen as well, which yeah, uh, right. I'm not sure. So it always there's I think a, that's on Netflix now, so maybe I want yeah. to check that out because it got strongly recommended. 
Yeah, yeah. They're good. Well, they're good if you like the genre. They're good. One Piece is a very famous one that is also shonen where the, the, the little boy is stronger and stronger and stronger until he kills them all and wins everything. Yeah, I don't know. Not, I don't know if I, I'd still settle for something like that nowadays. We, but, we had uh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z, but it was in the, I think, in the 2000s. And I was really yeah. too old for to, to watch that because it was just guys standing this there was just standing and groaning (laughs) and every episode was just people that sounds really bad by the way yeah Yeah. but the the whole episodes of that just just two guys standing and groaning and there was nothing happening and i thought who watches this crap i'm probably insulting a lot of people now (laughs) oh yeah dragon ball has an enormous uh, fan base and it's still going i think yeah Anyways, uh, I think that's it. Um, CWS, thank you very much for your email. Keep them coming. Game at newgameoldfame.com. That's the email address where you can write to us. Uh, I think we can start closing this episode. I want to give a massive shout out to the Retro Asylum guys once more. Thank you guys for your kind support. And I don't know, guys, if there's anything else you want to add. I think uh, Calm Like a Bob-omp is uh, doing great stuff for our Discord channel. So... No, thanks yeah. for all the reviews. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Calm like a bomb. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, so um, having said that, I'm going to leave you with uh, the last. Did you know? So in Castlevania, area of sorrow, you encounter a kicker skeleton that leaps up into the air, delivers a devastating kick, wears a red muffler, and drops a magic belt. And that is a direct homage to the original Kamen Rider, which was a series that went on in the. Uh, I think 2000s in Japan. That's it. Have a brilliant day and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye and happy retro gaming, everyone.